Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. Good morning. This is the California Report. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. As the weather cools, the U.S., including California, could be headed into a severe flu season. Experts say small children who haven't been exposed due to pandemic restrictions and masking may be most at risk. In L.A., KPCC senior health reporter Jackie Fortier has the details. During this year's Southern Hemisphere winter, the flu returned to some countries like Australia, where it started ramping up months earlier than usual and caused one of the worst flu seasons in recent years. It could be a preview of what's to come in the U.S., where flu cases are already on the rise, said Dr. Priya Soni, a pediatric infectious disease specialist at Cedars-Sinai Medical Center. One other thing that I found quite interesting about their flu season was that younger children were really affected. Children um, younger than five years of age and children 10 to 19 had some of the highest rates of influenza for the Australian cases. Dr. Sony says children as young as six months should get the flu shot to prevent complications. People over 65 can get an enhanced vaccine. Flu shots can't give you the flu and are free under most insurance. Dr. Sony says it's safe to get the flu shot at the same time as the COVID booster. Just do one shot per arm. For the California Report, I'm Jackie Fortier in Los Angeles. Later this morning, the first ever state summit tackling unsolved cases of missing and murdered indigenous people will be held in the far northern California community of Arcata. State, tribal and federal law enforcement officials will be in attendance, as well as victim advocates and tribal representatives. Blythe George, a member of the Yurok tribe, is a sociologist who studies violence affecting native peoples. She says such a summit is long overdue. Uh, According to our research with the Yurok tribe, California could potentially be in the top five of missing and murdered Indigenous peoples in the nation. Uh, The far northern region in particular is where a great majority of cases cluster. George recently authored a report calling for more coordination between law enforcement agencies to better track cases of missing and murdered Indigenous people in the state. George says the threat is especially personal to Native women, including herself. When we talk about this issue, you have to know that no matter how far I've come in this world, as a first-generation Yurok woman with a PhD from Harvard, uh, I am just as likely to die from homicide as I am heart disease or diabetes or any of those leading causes of death. Because for American Indian women, homicide is the third leading cause of death at present. President Biden has issued an executive order calling on the federal government to do more to prioritize Native American safety. 
Hi, I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey, that's where you go to Sunshine State, but we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member. Get special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. Last week, Governor Newsom signed into law a bill that makes it easier for California election workers to keep their home addresses confidential. The law was considered so urgent, it went into effect immediately. Why? Well, because there are a lot of election integrity deniers out there now who have bought into crazy claims and outright lies about mass election fraud. And some of those people are so angry or delusional, they've threatened to intimidate, hurt, and even kill election workers. One person raising the alarm about the danger is Neil Kelly. He's the former registrar of voters in Orange County, who now directs the Committee for Safe and Secure Elections. It's a national group advocating for election worker safety. Mr. Kelly, with the November elections fast approaching, I assume you're especially concerned now. You know, I I am concerned. And I think what people say matters um, when you have candidates that kind of across the board in many cases are taking this approach that, If I lose, it has to be fraud. Therefore, you have voters that look to the election official and say, well, it's got to be your fault. And the problem with that is, is that can stir up feelings among individuals who might uh, become radicalized or might be triggered in some way and may want to reach out and harm, whether it's polling places, election officials or voters. And that's a real concern. You know, looking ahead to this election and others, do you fear that some degree of election denialism and threats against those who manage our elections are kind of baked into the system now? I don't think we're going to see this going anywhere. In fact, if you look at some of the data coming out from some uh, organizations that have done some polling, more than three in four local election officials currently feel that threats against them will increase. And you have three in five election officials feeling that poll workers are going to be hard to recruit because who's going to want to work in that environment is part of what they're saying. So I don't think this is something we can ignore. You know, Mr. Kelly, I imagine there are a lot of people listening to us now who think, well, you know, I live in California. Uh, This isn't as much of a big deal as it is in other states. Uh, We pretty much have confidence in our elections, and uh, I don't really have to worry about this being a problem. Uh, What would be your response to that? I think that's a valid comment, but I would take a little bit of issue with it only because, you know, the central part of California is is very red and you have areas of California where it is still very heated when it comes to the 2020 election results. For instance, right now, look to Shasta County. She that clerk there has gone through in my this is my words, hell over the last uh, several months and dealing with a number of election issues and individuals who are are 
for lack of a better word, protesting. So you're seeing this definitely across California. I mentioned earlier how California has this new law on the books to protect election workers by keeping their addresses confidential. I assume you support efforts like that, but are they enough? I absolutely support those measures, and I applaud the legislature and the governor for doing those things. That's very important. But I don't think it is enough. I think that, you know, if you have someone that has a very strong belief system or is triggered in some way, may have a mental illness, these kinds of things are not going to stop those individuals. We have to do things to increase security in voting centers and polling places and reduce the risk. Those combined with that type of legislation, I think, is where we're where we need to be. All right. That's Neil Kelly of the Committee for Safe and Secure Elections. Mr. Kelly, thanks so much for joining us on the California Report. Thank you so much for having me, Saul. Appreciate it very much. And that is this edition of the California Report for Tuesday, October 4th. We are a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm your host, Saul Gonzalez. Thanks so much for listening and have a great day. Support for the California Report comes from the James Irvine Foundation, committed to a California where all low-income workers have the power to advance economically. Learn more at irvine.org. Hint, fruit-infused water in over 25 flavors like watermelon, pineapple, and blackberry. No sweeteners, no calories. In stores or delivered from drinkhint.com. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy includes Schmidt Ocean Institute, Coming this fall, the launch of research vessel FALCOR-2, advancing the frontiers of ocean science and exploration, on the web at schmidtocean.org. Hi there, I'm Randa Fattah from ThruLine. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast.